Tell me it's Thursday, Jerry. It's Thursday. I went through all day yesterday thinking it was Thursday. It's got to be Thursday now, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Can you tell I'm missing Brett McGarry? <laughs> Brett on holidays. Uh, it's Greg on a solo mission. Well, not really a solo mission. We've got Clay Young behind the glass. Jerry here, Shanna Lee Vidal, and Kelly Moore keeping things on track. Hope you're having a great start to your day. Beautiful sunshine. That sun, uh, of course, waking up a little bit later now, now that we've passed the first day of summer, but still... Dawn is breaking at 3.40 in the morning. It's kind of amazing how light it is and for how long and how much of that light I get to see now. (laughs) I love coming to work in the light. It is a stark contrast to our lives in December, is it not? Hope... uh, You're getting ready for the long weekend. Hey, we've got a gut-wrenching story that we told you a little bit about yesterday. A story from Ontario, a mother who lost her three children and her father in an accident involving a drunk driver. I'll play some audio for you later this morning and not in any way trying to bring you down, uh, but it's a message that's critical especially as we head towards this long weekend. Lots of alcoholic beverages to be consumed, lots of traveling and celebrations going on. But, uh, you know, and I don't want to get preachy on you, but we have to do it responsibly. Speaking of preaching, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if anybody does it better than this guy. We also have a couple of big supporters. You ever see this guy with the pillows on Fox? My pillow guy. Mike Lindell. Where is Mike? Now, it's not anything I would have attended. I have never seen so many ads for so long. And you know what? I think he gets them for like peanuts. First of all, he does make a great product, great pillows. I actually use them, believe it or not. But he's been he's been a supporter from day one. And I said, you know, I want you to be my ad buyer because I guarantee you he makes great deals. <laughs> so I haven't asked him yet. Will you be my ad buyer, please, Mike? You know, President the, my Trump. My pillow guy. Thank you. President Trump gets a hard time. And he's been with us right from the beginning. About going off script, but he is most entertaining when he is freestyling and when he goes off script. And that was last night, of course, in Fargo, North Dakota at Shields Arena. We'll get more reaction, more stories from our colleague at Global News Television, Amber Magookan, later on this morning. And I'm wondering if Hal and Jeff are a little bit nervous now, Jerry. Uh, Donald Trump coming for their job as spokesperson for my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Look out. Here comes the Donald because he doesn't have enough uh, jobs. A story that caught my attention yesterday morning before we uh, really kick things off today, the Cinnaboyne Park Conservancy. They're following the lead of several countries, several institutions, businesses around the globe, and they are getting rid of single-use straws and bags. And that had Jerry and I talking about uh, Winnipeg Phenomenon well, you know, that, 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 that concerns me because now they're going to be contributing to uh, the, the demise of a species of plant. 
is it exclusive to Winnipeg or just very prominent in Winnipeg? I think maybe it's it's prominent in Winnipeg, but it it, it does it does grow all over the. I'm pretty sure all over the world in different climates. Uh, I suspect. Um, but uh, here in Winnipeg, uh, we call them the. Winnipeg bag tree. A bag tree. Do a you have? Do you have? I, I had a bag tree in my backyard for about a year, mm-hmm. and uh, the bag uh, very just kind of just hung out there, and I uh, couldn't trim it. Yeah, couldn't reach it. it was mm-hmm. too high yeah. in the tree. You have one in your uh, neighborhood. There's one in the park right across the street from my house. <laughs> it's been there for well, I've lived there for well, it was a year in September, and it's still it was there when I moved in, and it's still there now. Um, so it's, I, I call it the rare Winnipeg bag tree, but as I walk around Winnipeg, I, I realize it's really not that rare. It's not that rare. But it's going to become more rare if, uh, you know, Cinnaboyne Park Conservancy has anything to do with it. They're going, they're going to contribute to the extinction of this tree. Now this is kind of, would be sort of contrary to their said agenda, right? To One would conserve... Think species of all living things so that's right so yeah i i think i think that i would love it if if some uh, listeners would uh, text us some pictures of some bag trees that are around just because you know what they're going to be so rare we we need to preserve uh the history of the winnipeg bag tree we do need to preserve the history of the bag tree 204-780-6868 picture of your Favorite, best, least favorite, perhaps, bag tree in the city of Winnipeg. Coming up to 612, Mackling and McGarry in the morning. Sons, Brett McGarry, hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. Thanks for allowing us to be a little bit of a part of it. In the first five months of this year, this could be a good news story. They treated 224 people with naloxone. That's the potentially life-saving antidote to fentanyl. During that same period last year, 371 patients received naloxone. At this pace, the numbers are trending down. While it means the messaging on the dangerous opioid could be working, as Global's Nikki Judy tells us, the concern over the dangerous drug is far from over. We can't stress enough how deadly these street drugs are. For the last two years, Corey Guest has been educating Winnipeggers on the dangers of fentanyl and other opioid drugs. According to paramedics, fewer people are being treated for fentanyl overdoses and they're administering less naloxone compared to this time last year. There's a lot of community groups that are providing the educational content. Um, I like to think the prevention and the harm reduction strategies that we're implementing um, are making a big difference. The data doesn't include people going to hospitals or self-treating with their own naloxone kits. Winnipeg Regional Health Authority gave out 1,000 naloxone kits in 2017. So far in 2018, they've shipped out about 100 kits every month to distribution sites. It's really, really hard when you have this illegal atmosphere for people to have any control over what they're taking. Regardless of which illegal substance you're using, it's probably a good idea to have naloxone around just in case there's something unexpected in there. So this would be two milligrams. Guest says the drug scene in Winnipeg is cyclical, meaning demand often dictates the supply. And although fentanyl use appears to be on the decline, that doesn't mean it will stay that way. A lot of people have already passed away from these drugs, so I think we have to be sensitive to what's happened in the past and, quite frankly, probably what's going to keep happening. Nikki Judy, Global News. Now, a new report from British Columbia Attorney General David Eby shows rampant money laundering at casinos fueled the opioid epidemic and rampant real estate speculation on the West Coast. Global News reporter Robin Gill reports on the big changes planned in B.C. 
At a casino in a Vancouver suburb, the bags of cash were blatantly obvious. Thousands of dollars in $20 denominations, the preferred currency of drug traffickers. Why did this occur? Because it could. Peter German, a lawyer and former RCMP officer, was tasked with investigating why Canada's West Coast has an international reputation for a place to park dirty money. Unfortunately, for many years, Lower Mainland casinos unwittingly served as laundromats for the proceeds of organized crime. The casino reported the problem to BCLC, the provincial agency in charge of casinos. It was BCLC's responsibility to report it to the federal agency involved with anti-money laundering. According to the report, that all fell through the cracks. So now, the recommendations. Establish an independent regulator responsible for anti-money laundering. Create a specialized gaming police force in casinos 24-7. Make casinos responsible for reporting unusual transactions instead of BCLC. Industry fulfilled its role, absolutely. It's a reporting role. We don't have investigatory capability or the ability to uh, deeply you know, dig into these things. We assume that the parties, we have to, we have to rely on other parties to do you know, that work. And it appears that you know, that's one of the gaps that occurred. Back in 2011, the BCLC raised a red flag about money laundering taking place in casinos. That was seven years before this report. So why did it go on so long? The new NDP government blames its predecessors. Nobody said no. Nobody said do not accept this money unless you know where it came from. Except according to this surveillance video, it was happening right under their noses. Robin Gill, Global News, Vancouver. I love when you have to establish all this secondary and third layers of enforcement when there are already rules in place. In a country like Canada, is it really necessary that we have to do this? Why not just pull the licenses of those who aren't following the rules as opposed to imposing a secondary or third level of enforcement. Guess who has to pay for that? Anyway, lots of conversation to be had, uh, not only on the drug situation in British Columbia and money laundering there, but uh, the fact that uh, opioid use, fentanyl anyway, could be on the way down in Manitoba. You know what's not on the way down? Fish flies. It's fish fly season. Just got a picture at 780 <laughs> Clay, do you go to the movies? Are you a movie guy? Uh, frequently. Okay, what's the last movie you saw? Uh, I'm just trying, I, Black Panther, I guess. Well, Black Panther. Oh, okay, well, so once you're a once in a while, like what, about six movies a year? Mm, probably, I'd say eight. Jurassic World on your list? Uh, you know what? Surprisingly, no. Oh. But I uh, Deadpool is definitely Deadpool <laughs> 2. Yes. Uh, that's on the list. Uh, I saw uh, um, a trailer for uh, The Predator the other day. And? You uh, like the idea of that movie or what? Well, all I could say is, I, do you ever, did you see the original Predator? No, no. You've never seen the original Predator? Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yes, Arnold? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Then, yeah, and then, Jesse, yes, and Jesse the Body. And Carl Weathers. Yes, I have. Apollo yes, Creed. I have seen it. So then it. you know the line that, get to the chopper. <laughs> 
Get to the newsroom. Clay, we'll catch Get up with you. Get to the newsroom now. Do it. <laughs> I'll see you in 23 minutes. Clay Young with us this morning and tomorrow morning. And, of course, he'll be here Saturday and Sunday with the weekend wake-up show. Hey, Chris, Kristen Wiig, uh, first images of her as Cheetah starting to show up on the internet this Ooh, morning. Ooh, I haven't seen those yet. Jerry, yes. I love uh, Kristen Wiig. And next week... Ant-Man and the Wasp Ooh, can't wait comes for that to one. theaters. Uh, without the couch potatoes, we're kind of lost here. Thursdays and Fridays, we start thinking about movies and such. We're just going to predict that uh, Jurassic World will be the big uh, movie in the theaters again this weekend. Is that a safe bet? I think so. I think the next biggest thing would be like the sequel to Sicario. Okay. Well, there you go. So we're gonna we're gonna go with that. That's very unofficial without the couch potatoes here. We we may not know what's good, but we know what we like. <laughs> That's exactly right. I agree. Uh, Don says uh, Jurassic World rocked. By the way, oh, you know what? I don't know. I know we haven't said this in traffic. If you regularly travel Highway 59, Lajeux Modier at the perimeter, all that construction, that brand new interchange, mm-hmm. the traffic flows have changed in there this morning. They laid a bunch of new concrete in the last two weeks on the east side, north of the interchange, and it sounds as though, according to a text message, that that's opened up this morning, so there's some new barricades and new traffic patterns through there. Progress. Progress is being made on that massive Massive project. The reason I wanted to bring up Ant-Man and the Wasp was the segue into this story about a playground overrun with wasps. Has some point Saint Charles en Francais, en Anglais, Point Saint Charles, parents concerned in Montreal. Uh, but the city says the insects are good for the environment. Global's Dan Spector reports the wasp might be staying put this summer. It's a perfect morning for some fun in this park near downtown Montreal. But here, something in the sand is stopping people in their tracks. Sort of scary, you know? This is insane. They're sand wasps, hundreds buzzing around this playground. People are afraid to let their children go anywhere near them. She wanted to play it and suddenly someone told me there were these wasps and it's, uh, yeah, it's scary. It just makes it unpleasant to be here. Experts say this type of wasp is not really a danger to people. I'm right here in the middle of them and they don't seem interested in me at all. They're very, very um, kind of like calm wasp, uh, shy, not aggressive. Uh, they, they rarely sting. Like I've never actually seen anybody getting uh, stung by these wasps. These insects work alone, so they have no colony to defend. They capture other insects for food and bury them in the sand to feed their young. The city says it's good for the environment. They do eliminate a lot of flies and other sort of uh, small bugs that can be annoying. So, uh, in fact, one digger wasp can probably take a couple of hundred out per year. Still, the sight of them at the bottom of this slide is scaring people off. They want authorities to get rid of the bugs. Do something about it. Fix it. It's unfortunate to, to kill animals and insects, I guess, but in a playground like that, it's, uh, it's a necessity. But extermination isn't the best idea, according to city councillor Craig Sove. Pesticides and extermination in a sandbank and a sandbox where kids are playing is not necessarily a good thing either. A city inspector visited the park Wednesday afternoon after being alerted to the problem by Global News. He said the plan was to put up a sign like this one, explaining to people what the wasps are and that they aren't dangerous. We have no on-record sting from a digger wasp in Montreal. It's extremely rare. But even though the risk of getting stung is extremely low... In an area where a lot of kids are playing, sometimes it's best to control them just to have the kids play there without being 
scared of these wasps. For now, it looks like the kids and the wasps will be sharing this space for the summer. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. I wonder if, how well Ant-Man gets along with the wasp. I, I think I could get along with the wasp quite nicely. <laughs> I'm sure you could. <laughs> <laughs> Back here in Winnipeg, it's generally a different insect that causes the biggest nuisance. We have had our issues with wasps already. Typically, it's late in the summer when wasps make their appearance in our city. Well, the shortage of another insect might be causing a prevalence of wasps. This summer... Yeah, not a ton of mosquitoes. In fact, a lot of us are asking, where are all the skeeters? Uh, just, you know, hypothetically, where are they? Not that anyone's complaining. Ken Nowalski, the city superintendent of insect control, spoke with Julie Buckingham and Christian O'Mell yesterday on 680 CJOB's The News to give us an update. We're uh, having a very successful season in combination with, uh, you know, dr- drier precipitation that we've had. You know, some parts of the city have had near normal, but other parts have been less. Uh, particularly the west part of the city's had a little bit more. But we've been on top of the program, and our current average is five. So people are really saying, where are the mosquitoes this year? And, you know, so far, so good. And we're very happy with the program, the way it's going. So well, that's the trap count. I asked on Monday for the slap count. How was it last night? 780-6868. Nowalski says city crews have been very successful with eliminating mosquitoes while still in the larvae stage. We actually haven't uh, used the Delta Guard. Uh, we've been strictly doing larvicide. Delta Guard's only used if we have an adult mosquito uh, problem. So um, it seems like when we have the, the product ready to use, <laughs> there's no need to use the product. So... Um, it's all the larva signing efforts that we have done, and we've been very successful in that. And so as a result, you see very few adult mosquitoes out there. Now, while the hot weather has certainly helped to keep the skeeter numbers down, there are a few problem areas. Yeah, so um, for the most part, all we call them off-road sites where, um, you know, it tends to be scrubland and bush. Uh, those get absorbed very, you know, quickly because it's, it's, it's dry conditions. But the ditches, that's where we're having the biggest problem right now in terms of where the mosquito larvae are developing. So we're very active out there ensuring that all of the drainage areas like that are treated on a timely basis because with the warm water, they speed up their development very quickly. Now, Nowalski says, well... He is optimistic that we will see fewer mosquitoes overall this summer. Things will still depend on how much rain we get in July and August. I don't know about you, Jerry, but I cannot believe that we are on the doorstep of the July long weekend. Uh, The kids have about a day and an hour left of school. It's magical. I can feel it in the air. Yeah, magical nothing. 6.45 <laughs> on a Thursday morning. Mackling and McGarry, Brett McGarry on holidays. Greg Mackling on a tiny bit of a solo mission here until the end of this week. And uh, actually, all of next week, save for Monday, as we are taking a holiday on July 2nd. Behind the glass, Jerry Greg Mackling, joined by Kelly Moore, Clay Young, and of course, Shanna Lee Vidal. And for many years, there has been awkwardness for some when it comes to one particular CFL team nickname. 
Now officials from the Edmonton Eskimos Club are on a tour of northern communities in Yellowknife and Inuvik in the Northwest Territories, as well as Iqaluit and Nunavut, to discuss the issue. Today we're having coffee, talking, and discussing the same issue. Is this conversation, first of all, long overdue, or would you and or would you like to see Edmonton change its name or hold on to it? Why don't we start? With the big CFL fan in the room, Clay Young, how do you feel about the Eskimos team nickname? I think in today's world, uh, the name should be changed. Eskimo, diehard Eskimo fans will say, always an Eskimo, you know, uh, forever. But I mean, like I have a, I have a problem with it. Uh, as you know, I was in Newfoundland. <laughs> I had, we hadn't heard. <laughs> yeah, you, you hadn't heard. But what, I, what I'm trying to say is, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the Inuit people believe that the word Eskimo is derogatory. Um, I found out right away uh, the word Newfie is derogatory. You right. don't call, it's Newfoundlander, right? Right. You don't call them Newfie. No. Newfie means you're, you're dumb, you're slow. Right. You're, so, yeah, Cleveland Indians, that should have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, I couldn't, like, I couldn't agree on. with you more. I, I try, I do my best. I sometimes get caught up in, in reading certain things, and it'll slip out, but I'll, I'll typically stop at Cleveland or Cleveland baseball team. There's, a, there's an announcer, I believe, a play-by-play yes. guy, that I read, Will he, he'll say, you know, during the, the baseball game, so it's the Dodgers 5 and Cleveland 4. He will not use that word. Who is that, uh, uh, Kelly? Is it the is it the play by play guy for the? I'm trying Blue to think Jays? if it's Dan Schulman. Uh, I, I know there there are a couple. No, Al Michaels, if he's doing, or maybe it's Jim Nance. It's one of the the high profile NFL play by play announcers who will only say the Washington football team. There's another good example. Jerry yeah. has his hand up, and uh, Jerry Howarth wouldn't say Jerry Howarth. Thank you. That's exactly who I was trying to think of. Shanley Vidal, uh, you used to live in the part of the world that we're discussing. Discussing and where the where the Edmonton Football Club are are doing its consultations. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, it was funny when I was in grade two, grade two, just a youngin. Uh, teacher s- sat us down and she was telling us what the word Eskimo means, and she said it means eaters of raw meat. And she said we do not use that word. Uh, the Inuit people um, do not like that word because they because of what it means. So and that's what the white people have given to them. So they have chosen the name Inuit and that is what we call them. And that was when I was in grade two. And then you grow up and you you know, you see this the CFL team and they're called the Eskimos and that that goes that goes against everything I was taught and everything in that's part of Canada's culture. And it's funny because when I was living up north, nobody ever used the term Eskimo. Right. So so this should have been changed a long time ago, and people are going to be complaining, oh, it's just a name, it's just a name. But you know what? If it would have been changed many, many decades ago, people would have been used to it by now. Well, that's a good point. Kelly, your take on this. Well, I uh, I guess I, I'm going to go in uh, the unconventional route. The team names have been around for so long, and, and I know it doesn't make it right but I don't know that the intent was ever to be derogatory. It would be different if the intent was to uh, insult or demean or uh, debase or whatever. But that was not what the intent was when these teams were named. Uh, so I, I don't see where there is the need for that. 
There's a lot of words we used to use that we don't use anymore. Understood, but most of those words were meant in a derogatory fashion. Well, I'm not. I I don't know if I can agree with you on that. Perhaps there was a line there. Uh, Quite often, we we thought that was the the correct word, or that was the word we were brought up with. Uh, But I I don't know if I ever went out of my way to be derogatory to anyone, but I know I used words when I was younger that I don't use anymore. And Mm. and just an interesting point, just uh, on a a kind of a related subject, Laura Ingalls Wilder, the the writer, uh, there's a literary award named after her. Well, not anymore. She was uh, removed from the title of the award. It's a very prestigious award because of the things that are contained in her books. And in one of the books, she, she, there's a quote, there were no people, only Indians. And she actually later amended that mm-hmm. because she realized, and I think there, she said there were no settlers or, or something like that, right? But the world is changing, and that the, that type of thing, even though it was okay then, it's not acceptable anymore. Yeah, I don't like revisionist history like that. And Kelly, maybe that's the road you're going down. Is yeah. that this is a little bit revisionist in that point of view? Yeah. However, yeah, and and you know the, the thing I was I was trying to think of. Okay, what are we, walking in a winter wonderland? Then you're gonna have to rewrite the lyric for that. Then, uh, and also the um, you know the, there was a big hit in 1964 for Manfred Mann, Mighty Quinn. Uh, that uh, that uses the term Eskimo. So you know, there, there's if if it's going to be done, then it has to be all encompassing. Mm. And and it can get and it can get a little extreme. I mean, I read somebody wanted to change the name of the Moose Jaw Warriors because they found that. Okay, now that's going way too far. But, but well, ha- at, at Isaac Brock, that used to be the team name of the sports teams was uh, was Isaac Brock Warriors, and they changed that to yeah. the Generals but years warrior, ago for that. You're very re- you're warrior. You're ready to go to battle. I consider myself sometimes. Yeah, a warrior. but the symbol the symbol is oh, uh, is, symbol. is an, an indigenous uh, person in headdress. Jerry, last word to you because you're in control of the clock here. Yeah, well, I think that. Uh, I don't think it's up to us. I mean, we're a bunch of white folks Thank sitting you. around. It's up to, you know what? They're doing the consultations for a reason. Yeah. Listen to the people they're consulting. Exactly. I think, yeah. and that's the bottom line. It, it, it isn't up to us. Earlier this week, we brought you the story of a four-year-old boy killed in a tragic farm accident. Leandro Schelling was being pulled in a utility trailer that rolled into a ditch. The incident happened while the trailer was being repositioned after it had become unhitched. Leandro's uncle Simon spoke with Julie Buckingham and Christian O'Mell on 680 CJOB's The News yesterday afternoon. And Simon spoke about the loss of his nephew. My nephew, Leandro Schelling. Um, the cutest little guy. My little nephew was just so cute. His blue eyes would, they were just so full of joy. It was this little kid that would always come and hug you and tell you, Simon, I love you. I like you. And he'd do it to everybody. This so cute beyond words. And he really touched everybody's heart. Everybody that would get to know him for, for even just an instant, they, they would immediately love him just so cute it's just so funny like we, we could never t- we could never teach him how to wear his shoes properly he would wear them the wrong way all the time he'd, and he'd just be fine with it he'd be just so energetic he'd have his favorite running shoes running around it was just so amazing he got a bike for his fourth birthday which was just a few days ago on the 7th of june and bike was in blue just his favorite car and he was so proud riding it they went for a bike ride with him just a few days before that, and 
he was just so tough keeping up with his older brothers and um he was asked if if they should stop and go go back home and he's like, No, no, I'm fine and he was just keeping up with his older brothers, just such an incredible boy. Just four years old, definitely gone far too young. What were some of the things that, that you like to do with your nephew? He was just the funniest little guy. Like he would always try to cut a deal with everybody. Like one time his dad took him took him along to a to a job and he he just looked at at the wall and he's like, Dad, it's like a deal. You finish this wall and then we're gonna go home. Just four years and just so cute. What were some of his favorite things? He loved blue, he loved Paw Patrol. His middle name is Leandro Chase and Paw Patrol was just his thing. It was from toothbrush to, to underwear. Everything was Paw Patrol. Of course, because there's a chase in Paw Patrol. These are wonderful memories. Are these memories providing the family any comfort after this tragic accident? For sure, you'll always be in our hearts. It's just even it's just so sad to even think about it. It just all feels like a terrible dream and somebody just has to wake us up from all of this. What has the, uh, the coping process been like for the family? A lot of leaning on each other for support? Yeah, for sure. We're so thankful for everybody that has been coming out and everybody that has has been supporting us. There's so many people that has been reaching out and it's just amazing how the support that you get from neighbors, from people that you've barely known and just so thankful. Thank you for all the prayers. Thank you for all the support that we get from friends and family and from, from strangers that we barely know. It's amazing to see the love of people. It's fascinating. It's unbelievable. People that we barely know and come and bring their condolences. And it's amazing to see like how many people's lives get touched by by a four-year-old it's just amazing how are his parents doing it's hard to say it's it's, it's just too hard just like a bad dream tragic loss when it's an accident like this that involves family there's no one that can say anything or do anything unfortunately to make it better but of course people want to do something and we understand that a gofundme has been set up so that is one way that people can help out um so donations are being collected in his name, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So we will give out that GoFundMe page, and uh, people are obviously donating there. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us about your nephew and his family and and just about, obviously, the community, the emergency responders and that type of thing? Yeah, great thing for everybody that's been helping I didn't even get the names of the people that stopped off the road, but there was a few people that stopped immediately and helped and um, were performing CPR. Just a great thank you. Thank you for everybody that has been involved. Thank you for everybody that has been helping and great support. Thank you all. Thanks for the prayers. Well, and on behalf of all of us here, please take our thoughts and prayers to the entire family. And again, we will let people know how they can help on that GoFundMe. Thank you. Thank you to Leandro's Uncle Simon, who you just heard in conversation with Julie Buckingham and Christian O'Mell. And that GoFundMe page is GoFundMe.com forward slash Leandro hyphen, and I'll spell Leandro, E-L-E-A-N-D-R-O hyphen Schelling, S-C-H-E-L-I-N-G hyphen funeral. If you'd like to help out that GoFundMe page, page has far surpassed its original goal. So I can tell you that uh, 
anything that's contributed at this point is uh, obviously greatly appreciated and I can only imagine will will go to to good use. You know, it's not a party till they play the Stones, right, Jerry? I've heard that somewhere before. Are you trying to kickstart a party on a Thursday morning? It's always a good time for a party. I'm down with that. A couple months ago, we told you about how Salisbury House was eliminating plastic straws at its restaurants, and now the Assiniboine Park Conservancy has announced that it, too, will not only be ditching plastic straws, but single-use bags are also on the way out. Dustin Carson is head of environment and sustainability at Assiniboine Park Conservancy, and he says the organization has slowly been phasing out single-use plastics. We have already moved away from plastic straws within the zoo, so um, that initiative has already been happening. So we're trying to take small steps in the right direction. So we currently use paper in the zoo, um, but within uh, Park Cafe and some of our concessions and stuff, we do use straws for drinks that are usually to-go items. Now, Carson says the move could have a big impact on the environment. Some of the major reasons to take action against single-use plastics would be to, you know, they have a huge impact on the lives of animals and our ecosystems. So here we hear a lot about the negative impacts of single-use plastics on oceans, but recent research also suggests that terrestrial species are negatively affected as more um, microplastics make their way into our ecosystems. So we could really have a positive effect on our environment uh, by just reducing something that's super easy to do. Not everybody needs a straw, so it's it's a very simple way that we can inspire visitors to just take small steps to to make a big change. Now, Carson hopes visitors will be encouraged to think more about reusing items rather than just throwing things away. So it will take some time, but it's because of organizations like ours that try to um, change our operations or inspire visitors or society to make these small changes. And a reusable bag will go a long way. It can last for years or decades, Um, but a single-use plastic bag um, you know, you'll use it once, you'll throw it in the garbage, and it'll sit in the landfill for, for years. So it's just about trying to change the perception of how we use things as well, right? So you want to kind of move towards things that you can reuse. Um, plastic is a very functional material. It can last a long time and be reused many times. We're more focused on the single-use plastics that are disposable. So like you said, the, the garbage bag. You use it once, it tears, uh, and you throw it away. The Cinnaboyne Park Conservancy plans to stop providing plastic straws and single-use plastic bags on Canada Day. However, paper straws will be available by request. And Jerry, I know I've altered my behavior big time in the last year or so. I only use a straw when I absolutely need to, and I will make sure that I do not use a lid and a straw if I'm sitting down at a restaurant, say I'm at a fast food place, and I don't really need a lid and a straw. I will actually drink out of the paper cup. Yeah, absolutely. I will too. Uh, I mean, I don't go to the fast food places that often anymore. Right. But uh, absolutely, if if I'm staying in, there's no need for that that uh, lid and the straw. And when when you've got those self serve uh, fountains, the, it's really easy to not have those things. Hundred percent, it is. Portage in Maine was in the news forty three years ago. Pardon me, forty six years ago today. Bobby Hull.
signed his contract with the Winnipeg Jets on this date in 1972. Thank you, John Mellencamp. It's time now for the Small Town Salute, brought to you by South Beach Casino and Resort, where service sets them apart, southbeachcasino.ca. This week, we are headed to the town of Winnipeg Beach to hear about what is planned for Canada Day. We're joined live on 680 CJOB by Tony Pimentel. He is the mayor of Winnipeg Beach and local business owner. Tony, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning, doing, gentlemen? Doing fantastic. Thanks for taking some time with us. We'll wish you a happy Canada Day in advance. What's going on for uh, Canada's big bash up in Winnipeg Beach? Well, I, this is uh, Canada Day is usually the start of an exciting summer season for all the businesses in town in Winnipeg Beach. It's a hustle and bustle there. Uh, we have, uh, of course, Canada Day. We have uh, horse-drawn carriages that are going around town and taking you from place to place. Uh, we have um, our Winnipeg Beach Lions Club have their annual fun picnic. That's where they have all kinds of different uh, picnic uh, games that uh, we used to play, uh, like the uh, uh, egg toss or the different types of uh, picnic games. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because it's always a surprise of what we're having. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, we have for the evening, we have free ride coming out. And they're always a great uh, a great uh, show. And, of course, uh, to close off the evening, we have our great fireworks. We probably have the best fireworks in the interlake. Um, it's always a lot of fun. We have inflatable jumpers there as well for the kids during the day to come out and play. Of course, we have our beautiful beach, our boardwalk for people to step out and uh, enjoy a nice leisurely walk or play in the sand. And we can't forget our businesses, too. We have uh, a lot of the businesses that have and restaurants that have our patios. So you can sit on the patio, have a little bit of dinner, have a drink, and enjoy a free ride in the evening. Uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful community. And uh, I'd like to invite everybody out to Canada Day and come out and have some fun. Well, Tony, I butchered your last name. I know it's Pimentel. It just came out wrong. So please forgive me for that. Secondly, I I have seen the fireworks, but only from afar on Canada Day from Leicester Beach, about 10 kilometers across the lake from you. Looks spectacular from there. It's an amazing way to see the show. But I did have my boys up at Winnipeg Beach last year and was blown away by the reconstructed boardwalk. I know you've had this challenge for decades of having to rebuild the boardwalk i would say that this version of it has a very good chance of surviving anything mother nature throws at it yes yes uh, we have to thank the province for uh, for working on it and uh, making it uh, really beautiful it's uh, it's it's been great if you haven't been out there in a long time uh, i encourage everybody to come out and take a walk in that boardwalk it's uh, it's very beautiful and our bandstand of course where we have our entertainment when you're sitting in the park, uh, you've got the you've got the backdrop of the lake as you're watching the show. It's a, it's a beautiful venue. Yeah, it really is. I was going to ask if that's where Free Ride will be playing, but of course they yeah. will be playing at the bandstand and uh, all sorts of other things to do. I just you know th- that side of the lake has uh, is it feels as though it's going undergoing a little bit of a renaissance. So you go up to Gimli, you get a sense that things are kind of bustling there. And Winnipeg Beach has always been one of my favorite places to go. Oh, I mean the food. I mean just on its 
its own. The food options are yeah. fantastic, but the services as well. Uh, really, you don't need to go too far to get anything whatsoever if you're planning a camping trip or maybe you want to hunker down in, in a resort or a and b or something like that. Oh, yeah. We have, uh, we have one of the finest uh, provincial campgrounds that was established about uh, seven years ago, and it uh, continuously uh, sells out within minutes uh, that mm-hmm. goes online. It's one of those. It's uh, one of the uh, few sites that are handicap accessible. It has um, it has uh, three different uh, voltages that you can plug in. So any size of uh, vehicle uh, for camping is uh, easy, easily accessible in that uh, camping area. We have again. That's another thing. You're right there in that campground. You're right on the lake. You're right within walking distance uh, to downtown. So if you do decide to have a few bubblies and uh, you don't want to drive, well, then you can walk along the beach and get back to your campsite nice and safe. So lots of great memories for folks up at Winnipeg Beach. Uh, what drew you to that that part of our province uh, to, to live and to open a business, uh, Tony? Well, uh, I was 11 years old when I was introduced to Winnipeg Beach with my parents. We always uh, traveled together as a family to different parks, and uh, we just liked the approximate proximity of uh, where Winnipeg Beach was. And my dad worked, and so we had the weekend. So it was easy for us to get to Winnipeg Beach, 45 minutes. He bought a cottage out there uh, almost 54 years ago. Uh, and and he's sold it since then, but, uh, the rest of the family have bought cottages there. And, uh, when I had an opportunity to be transferred for a job out towards the Gimli area, I took it and I've been living there now for the last 26 years. Wow. And the the business that came up for sale playland that I purchased was one of the places when I was a little boy, I used to go there and, uh, play in the arcades and an opportunity presented itself. And, uh, my wife and I are uh, the owners of it for the last 19 years now. My so, boys had a blast there reliving my childhood there last summer <laughs> with the skeet ball and all the different games. So, Tony, thanks for uh, for resurrecting and, and keeping that piece of history alive for so many of us that, uh, that have fallen in love with Winnipeg Beach over the years. How can people get more information and uh, keep track of uh, the different events that are going on before we let you run? Yeah, we have uh, bands playing every single weekend from now on. Uh, you can just go to our uh, town website, just type in Town of Winnipeg Beach, and we have our website there that has all the different events that we have going on. And, of course, Boardwalk Days, which is our big event uh, with Wonder Shows on July 27th and 29th as well, and that's usually a very busy Busy, busy day. I'm looking at the website right now, winnipegbeach.ca. Yeah. Tony Pimentel, thank you for this, and uh, once again, happy Canada Day. You too, and look forward to seeing everybody out to the beach. Have uh, a nice day. You too, Tony Pimentel, the mayor of Winnipeg Beach, uh, letting you know that you are welcome in that part of the province on Canada Day, and it sounds like any time at all. Canada Day is in our sights time for celebrating our amazing country. It's time for parties, concerts, and all sorts of public and backyard get-togethers. Food will be prepared and eaten. Beverages of an alcoholic and non-alcoholic variety will be consumed. Statistics and the laws of probability tell us that several Manitobans are likely to be killed on our highways over the next several days as well. 
There's also a very good chance the consumption of alcohol will play a role in these collisions. RCMP and other police forces around the province will be visible with check stock programs. CJOB will conduct interviews and you will read and see stories discussing the risks of drinking and driving and the statistics that prove that as a society, we aren't altering our behaviors quickly enough. Case in point, September 27th, 2015, Daniel 9, Harrison 5, and Millie 2 were killed in an impaired driving collision in Vaughan, Ontario. The children's grandfather, Gary Neville, also killed in that crash. Jennifer Neville Lake was a devoted mother to her three children. I say she still is. This tragedy has robbed her of the opportunity to watch them grow up. Neville Lake spoke with Global's Karen Lieberman. We visited with Karen yesterday. Here is some of Karen's heart-wrenching visit with Jennifer. The two met in a park in Vaughan, Ontario, near a bench that honours the memories of her family. I'm glad that we met here because it was important to you and I'm able to see these plaques that I hadn't seen before. Your house, which I imagine is filled with kids' things and all their loving toys and their clothes and all that. Is it the same? How to, what's that like now? It's a tomb. It's a, it's a sad tomb. That's what it is. My mind is so not what I was. I don't always make sense anymore. I'm not even the Jennifer you met in court. I'm so different. How would you explain yourself now? Who, who is Jennifer now? I don't know. I'm not, I don't know who I am anymore. There's no easy way, because there's no identities, there's no parts of me. I'm still trying to shift through them to see what's left, because it's still so surreal. There's no concrete. The concrete bits to look at. Still trying to figure it out. And Ed? It's hard. It's, you know, a lot of our identities, a lot of our, our lives. I mean, you make friends, your social circles, everything, because you run into each other at dance class or on the soccer field or whatnot. And now we're thrown into a sphere that nobody wants to be in. And we're very lo- alone there, but we don't even know where to look, what to do, so we're just existing. What do you think about, what's on your mind every day? That they should be there. For example, sometime in the next couple of weeks, Millie will be one day more dead than she was alive. And that's something that most parents don't think about, but I'll have to go through that three times. And that's horrific. Things like that, that perseverate on my mind, because it's, it's parts that I shouldn't have to. Yeah, I still hear them. I still hear them all. Sometimes when I'm listening to their videos and whatnot, I sing along because it's, you know, you, you want to. I mean, it's a bunch of kids singing. Okay, let's sing, okay? I gave my love a cherry that has no stone. 
Give my love a chicken that has no bone. Told my love a story that has no end. The baby, when it's sleeping, has no crying. I can tell you, I genuinely wanted to play all nine minutes and 30 seconds of this interview, uh, but that was just simply not possible. Please go to globalnews.ca to see the pictures and the videos of these children stolen from the rest of their family. Now, who did this? Whose selfishness ripped this mother's father and her three children from her? Well, his name's Marco Muzo. 29 years at the... 29 years old at the time of the collision. He was driving a Jeep that caused the fatal crash. Here's his story. After spending the weekend in Miami for his bachelor party, Muzo and his friends flew back to Pearson International Airport in Toronto on a private jet. Muzo admitted he had been drinking on the flight back to Ontario in February of 2016. He pled guilty to four counts of driving under the influence causing death and two counts of driving under the influence causing bodily harm. Not sure why there's a distinction uh, drawn there. That adds up to four individuals harmed. As far as I know, all four of those individuals died. Um, He's currently serving a 10-year jail sentence and upon release will face a 12-year driving suspension. As we approach Canada Day long weekend, please remember the potential tragedy that can come out of a decision to drink and get behind the wheel. Nobody intends to tear a family apart with with their irresponsible actions, their illegal actions, but it happens. Let's please all do our best to ensure that it does not happen on our watch. Speaking of of, uh, Donald Trump, which we weren't at all, and just a terrible segue. United States President Donald Trump speaking straight down Pembina Highway, essentially, last night, four hours, 23 minutes from where I'm sitting, according to Google Maps, by the way. Uh, the, the President of the U.S. was speaking at the Shields Arena in Fargo, North Dakota, and I didn't realize she was back already. Amber Magookan Global's very own was... In Fargo last night, uh, Amber, uh, they wouldn't sell you a ticket or what? Why weren't you in the arena? Oh, you know, it was, we didn't uh, get the media passes early enough. But, no, it was good to be outside and actually to see all of his Trump supporters. They were, it was like nothing I had ever experienced before, honestly. It was, I had been to Justin Trudeau in January and uh, in, in Canada, people don't wear shirts that have his name and his photo but that was everywhere last night in Fargo everyone was wearing some kind of make America great again t-shirts for Trump it was everywhere (laughs) I saw saw some of the footage Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to be um, gentle here Jerry can you help me out here it reminded me of what you might see outside a sporting event is that keeping it uh, polite enough yeah yeah, no, I think that was that's pretty accurate. Yeah, oh. I think so. I mean, they were very excited about it, but uh, like wearing there was even Trump uh, jerseys and you know very yeah very much so like a sporting event. I, I know you met a Winnipegger who made the the journey, uh, who's a big Trump supporter. 
Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So we went to the front of the line to see, you know, okay, these people are going to be the biggest fans, right? They've got, they got here early. So we went to the front of the line and we're chatting with people. Some people had set up tents, had been there the day before. Um, and then as we were kind of talking to the line, someone a few people back um, waved us over and was like, oh, are you guys from Winnipeg? And uh, he was also from Winnipeg. So that's Zachary Stevens. He's from Winnipeg, but he actually goes to school in North Dakota. So he's kind of half and half. And so since he's been in school there, he's just, he says, become obsessed with Trump. He was wearing a sweater with Trump's face all over it. And it was very hot out, like very, very hot. And he had uh, been there since three in the morning. Um, very dedicated. He was very eager to see the president. He, we asked him why, you know, why Winnipegger would be so, um, like what about him is a draw for you to, you know, to get there at three in the morning, you know, you got to be very into it. He just thought that Trump was bold and he liked that he just said what he wanted and he was hoping we would have someone like that here in Canada, but we don't. That's what he said. Well, you know what? Why don't we just play a tiny bit here of uh, Donald Trump uh, yesterday at Shields Arena in Fargo, North Dakota. And I'm proud to report that just yesterday, the Supreme Court upheld the travel ban and our authority to keep America safe. The travel ban ruling underscores just how critical it is to confirm judges who will support our Constitution, our great, great Constitution. Justice Anthony Kennedy, a very special guy also, just announced a little while ago his retirement from the United States Supreme Court. And I'm very honored. He goes, he goes on to say that, you know, basically uh, Kennedy resigned because he trusted <laughs> President Trump to uh, to name his replacement. We don't need to get into that. But Amber, you hear the response of the crowd. You hear the vocalizations and the oratorial skills of Donald Trump, who comes under constant, constant criticism for going off script. I think that's what he's best is when he goes off script. Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, I wanted to ask people what they wanted to hear from him, you know, why they wanted to come see him in person. And I thought, you know, some of them might want to talk about some of the recent issues. So I asked a few of them some of the questions. And honestly, most of them had no idea you know, what I was talking about. And um, there was, you know, I thought, okay, maybe you're here to hear about the trade war or something. So you know, I asked a few people and I, I cannot tell you how many people had no idea what I was talking about. And it was interesting because there was even a uh, kind of a little demonstration by farmers earlier in the day, you know, protesting some of these issues. And uh, there was another farmer I spoke to who had no idea about a trade war at all. So it's very interesting to see, you know, why people came out and what they wanted to hear. But I think most of them wanted to do to be there for exactly what you're talking about, just to hear him and to see him speak and just to be part of that whole experience. I think that was kind of the biggest draw for some of these supporters. Yeah, it's the celebrity for sure. He's larger than life. And uh, this whole conversation uh, about his celebrity playing such a gigantic role in his popularity uh, over the substance of what he stands for, I, I think will continue for a little while now. Amber, thanks very much for this. That was a quick trip. Where'd you eat mm -hmm. supper last night? 
Um, what is it? I honestly don't even know what it was called. It was a chicken fast food place. You might be able to help me. I had never been there before, but we were told, oh, you got to go there. Um, I had a grilled chicken sandwich. Well, oh you didn't goodness. go to Paradiso for Mexican, no. so uh, you're off my Christmas card list. So I tried we to. Went fast through. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to do you a solid, Amber. Hey, we'll catch you know up what? to you. We'll catch up to you soon. Great. Thanks, Amber. Okay. Bye bye. Global News reporter Amber McGookin. She was in Fargo yesterday as the president was there. I don't know if the president was there because Amber was there, or Amber was there because the president was there. Now, Clay Young, I know you have to host the morning wake-up show Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's your regular gig. Are you off on Monday? No. You're here Monday. Yeah, I do it a regular shift, yeah. When do you get a day off? I don't. You didn't you didn't see that memo? <laughs> weren't I'm... you just weren't you just on holidays somewhere? Where yep. did you go? I went to Newfoundland. Oh, Newfoundland, we hadn't heard. Clay, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going now? I'm going to Newfoundland. (laughs) Clay Young, you'll be back at 9 o'clock with the news. You can use all the latest information. Of course, it's 8.36. I'm Greg Mackling. Uh, Brett McGarry on holidays. And speaking of holidays, it's going to be a long weekend for many of us, thanks to Canada Day. But because of the way the holiday falls and the celebration of Canada Day falls on the Sunday... Many businesses will be open Sunday, closed Monday. That means some employees could be at work on Canada Day instead of at festivities and participating in those. To talk more about this, we are joined live on 680 CJOB by John Graham, Prairie Director for the Government Relations for the Retail Council of Canada. And John, never mind the fact that... Some could be at work on Canada Day instead of participating in festivities. I think a lot of us who will be participating in festivities on Sunday will be looking maybe to do some chores and get some things done on Monday and maybe in for a huge surprise when we pull into a shopping mall or the parking lot of your latest uh, or your largest uh, home improvement center. Yeah, and uh, good morning, Greg. And uh, you're right, it is going to be one of those scratch your headlong weekends for retail employees, employers, our customers, as a result of the Manitoba government rules that have both stores closing July 2nd uh, for, I guess, what I would call a proposed Canada Day celebration. So we had this discussion a few months ago, maybe, uh, you know, uh, two months ago, there was a move to maybe try and alter this in time for the long weekend. Just impossible, or you just didn't get the cooperation needed, John? Oh, I think, uh, uh, you know, there was uh, some willingness within the ministry. Uh, 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 the uh, challenge, I think, is that there's only so much bandwidth and a lot of legislation. It's, uh, uh, we ha- do have a commitment from Minister Pidgeson, though, that he will move forward for revising this, uh, this quirk, uh, this weakness in the Manitoba legislation uh, uh, for next time Canada falls on a Sunday. You're usually pretty good at math. Do you know when that would be the next time it yeah. falls on the Sunday? Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, 2029. You know, it's 20, uh, th- with leap years, it was 2007, 12, 2018, and now it jumps to 11 years from now, 2029. So it's, uh, 
I go, long time, uh, yeah, long distance victory, I guess. <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, you, you take the victories as you can get them. And uh, that means I'll be able to uh, do my gardening and uh, go to the home improvement store on uh, on Canada Day and on the Monday, July 2nd in 2029. So that is yeah. good news. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, the, you know, the key here is that there is uh, uh, some exceptions. You know, essential services, Greg, like for you and I, like liquor stores will be open on Monday. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Brady Landfill will restaurants, pharmacies, garden centers, and frankly, if you're an uh, employee, uh, normally four or fewer employees, you have the option of you know, uh, closing on Canada Day, for example, or opening on both those days. It's really if you've got five, six, seven employees or more, you know, or a larger employer, uh, then uh, you're right. The stores will be closed, and you'll have to wait till Tuesday, which is unfortunate because, you know, Sunday is going to be a very slow day. People aren't expecting stores to be open on July 1st, Canada Day. They're focused on family and celebrations, and and Monday would have been a really good retail day. Without question, and uh, uh, like you say, just a quirk in the legislation, and here we are, and uh, the last time we'll have to deal with this uh, for one reason or another, uh, this uh, just couldn't get done in time for this year. So, John, thanks for uh, bringing this to our attention and thanks for giving us an update, although it's not the news we were hoping to hear. Uh, like you say, there are lots of retailers who will be in a position to take advantage of the long weekend. Yeah, and the good news is that uh, if you're traveling to Kenora stores or open on Monday, Saskatchewan, most of Canada, in fact, uh, has legislation that's been adjusted. So, uh, uh, But it will be a, certainly a scratch-your-head weekend for a lot of people. <laughs> John Graham, thanks for this. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Good stuff, Greg. Thanks. Take care. John Graham, he is the Director of Government Relations uh, Prairie Region for the Retail Council of Canada. Many events on this weekend to celebrate our country's 151st birthday, so we thought we would Take a look at a couple events going on at a few places around our city. Joining us now is Jordan Earl, partner at 441 Maine, and of course, the Nightlife Awards, Winnipeg Nightlife Awards, one of the organizers there. Jordan, great to catch up with you. Good talking to you, Greg. I guess uh, this is one of the highlight weekends in the city of Winnipeg because there, you know, there's always so much to do winter and summer, in, in my opinion, but it's really ramped up on this Canada Day weekend. Where are you going to take us first? I mean, I, I think this is a big build-up weekend. Like you say, there's a lot going on, and I think the weather's going to hold out for us. So, I mean, lots going on this weekend. We've got uh, something that I uh, spent some time at last year, the Osborne uh, Village Street Festival going on this weekend as well. Always been a highlight. It's been uh, a mainstay in our community. What, what are the highlights at, at Osborne Street Fest? Um, well, they have giant marketplace going on, extended patios. I was just checking out the lineup earlier this morning. Tons of local talent going on. They got a great stage set up, and I think they're running uh, both Saturday and Sunday. Saturday getting started around noon and finishing up at 11, and Sunday getting started around 11 a.m. and going right through till 10.30, where I expect, uh, like last year, they should... Uh, have a really great view of the fireworks display that's going on at the Forks from well, over there as well. Well, and a lot of people do. They'll take the Splashdash uh, water tour or the water taxi back and forth between Osborne and the Forks. It's really a, a nice little uh, corridor there. What's happening down at the Forks? I haven't been there for years, but of course, as you mentioned, the highlight, the fireworks. But what's happening uh, during the day before that? Yeah, I didn't make it to the Forks last year myself, but I made it in previous years, and I know it's always a great place for families to go. Um, Sunday, 
They're getting started around 11. They have a main stage. They also have their secondary marketplace stage going on. So I think they're getting started around 1 o'clock on Sunday, Canada Day, and finishing up with the big lead-up to the uh, fireworks at 11 p.m. And just checking out their lineup as well. Looks like they have a lot of great stuff going on, including the uh, WSO is going to be performing there as a lead-up to the fireworks. Yeah, nothing like seeing the WSO in an unconventional venue, whether it be Pan Am Pool, the basement at Hudson's Bay, or outdoors, uh, either at the Lyric Theatre or at the Forks. Of course, Assiniboine Park will have all sorts of festivities as well and uh you guys are doing something kind of special over in your neck of the woods we certainly are yeah over at 44 maine we're gonna have a really great block party going on all weekend so actually kind of cool our claim to fame it's the largest beer gardens attached to a nightclub in the country um so that's kind of cool and sort of exciting and something we're proud of and we're running there on friday saturday and sunday night so canada day getting started at about 9 p.m and uh, we've brought in some uh, pretty cool local Canadian talent for each night. So on Friday night, uh, out of Vancouver, we're going to have the Funk Hunters, a uh, really great Canadian group. On Saturday, we're going to have a, a gentleman called Auto Erotic, a really good Canadian performer out of Toronto. And then on Sunday, finishing up with Unimerse. Um, she is from Toronto by way of London, England. Well, it sounds like a, a, a jam-packed schedule over at the big uh, Canada Day weekend block party. Uh, how many people can you hold of this beer garden, by the way? You've piqued my interest. Oh, my goodness. That's a good question, and I thought I was all prepared for you until you asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're talking to a guy who spent uh, several years in Calgary and uh, partying it up at Stampede and have been at some pretty huge pancake bref- breakfasts and uh, and beer gardens over the years, so uh, you piqued my interest there. You can email me the uh, the number later on, Jordan. I'll get that on for uh, folks uh, later. Hey, what does Canada Day mean to you before, before we get, uh, let you go and move on here this morning? Oh, that's an easy answer. For me, it means family. Um, it's always a chance for me to spend a lot of time with family and friends and a, a great time to celebrate what it means to be Canadian. And for me, that that really is about family. Well, and you've done such a great job in celebrating Winnipeg over all these Winnipeg Nightlife Awards that Brett and I were so thrilled to be a part of uh, earlier this year are fantastic. You're going to be doing it again uh, next year? Oh, without question. I hope years to come. It was a phenomenal event and one that uh, just gets bigger and, and better every year. Jordan, thank you for this. Appreciate the time. Great to catch up with you and happy Canada Day in advance. Appreciate you having me on, Greg. Thank you. Betcha. You betcha. Jordan Earl from 441 Maine telling us about some of the great things going on around the city, including at 441 Maine, where they're going to have a Canada Day weekend block party. Jordan, tell me it's going to be the largest beer garden attached to a nightclub in Canada. I don't know what your plans are. I'd like to know from you, though. I'm going to tell you what we're doing here. Let me see here. I've got some audio I wanted to play for you this morning. And uh, do you remember Orbit? Here's a little bit of audio for you. Hey, Mom, there's an Orbit. Can we stop? Do the countdown, buddy. If you are of a certain vintage, you will remember having an interaction like that with somebody in your car traveling down the highway. Orbit. Uh, that was a, a clip from a short documentary directed by James Ruwicki about Manitoba's Orbit 
trash bin program that was so popular through the 60s and 70s, and I think even into the 80s. That was produced for MTS on deba- uh, MTS Winnipeg On Demand a few uh, years ago. Peter Boychuk designed and invented the Orbit. It was a staple of the Trans-Canada Highway and I believe other highways in the province. For those that don't know, it was kind of a spherical-shaped garbage can, sort of looked like a satellite to imitate kind of the Sputnik uh, satellite. It was it was round, it had a round hole, and the signs at the side of the highway would say something like this, uh, put your trash into orbit in 10 seconds. And if you were going the speed limit on the highway, Jerry, and you counted down from 10 or counted up from 1, whatever you did... If you knew anything about space, you were obviously counting down from 10 and you would hit the, you would hit the orbit. Now, whether you had trash to throw away or not, it was kind of a neat way to to pass the time, but it was kind of that first evolution of making sure, you know, and to build that conscientiousness about not littering as you're driving down the highway. And, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that over the years. Uh, People have really stopped doing that to a great extent, but it still happens. Very cool. Yeah, it was very cool. We didn't have anything like that back where I came from. What what do they have? Just uh, your trash is welcome in the ditch? Like, what did they have? Well, they had had rest stops every, uh, you know, 80 kilometers or so with, oh. with a gas station in it, and you just drop your trash off there. Not nearly as fun. Well, now you're going to get me all worked up about the lack of rest stops <laughs> in Manitoba. That's another conversation. Hey, next week we are going to kick off summer holidays with conversations around different landmarks like the Orbit in our province. We are calling it You Are Here. Please start sending us pictures of your favorite roadside stops, landmarks, and can't-miss roadside attractions that aren't necessarily at front of mind for a lot of people. We'd love to hear from you. Love to see your suggestions of the things that call out road trip to you here in Manitoba. 780-6868. You can, of course, text us your pictures when it's safe to do so, or you can shoot me an email, gmac at cgob.com. I would normally give Brett's email out, but he's going to be off next week. But you can always uh, email Brett. Brett, B-R-E-T-T at cgob.com. Baby, a song you made me want to roll my windows down and cry. Dauphin is going to be the place to be in Manitoba this weekend. The annual Country Fest getting underway. In fact, according to the research that we've done, uh, you could start camping there yesterday. Gates are open at 11 today. Campers setting up their gear. 29th annual event runs through Canada Canada Day with some very big acts in country music lined up, including... Did we just hear Florida Georgia Line, Jerry? Yes, we did. Uh-huh. See, I'm not I'm not a, a neophyte. <laughs> no, 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 a Luddite uh, when it comes to country music, but I do not know a lot, so that's why we have reached out to Country Fest general manager and promoter Rob Wallacechuk to uh, fill us in on the details. Uh, Rob, uh, thanks for taking some time with us on what is obviously the busiest weekend of the year for you, but you got to be getting excited. Yeah. I sure am, and things are things are coming together. And thank you guys, by the way, for uh, 
for uh, getting us on here and letting people know what's going on. Well, country music is a big deal in this part of the world. I, I think sometimes we forget that here in the city of Winnipeg. It is a big deal. And the event that Country Fest has become really transcends all sorts of music types because it's just that good a time. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, uh, it's uh, you know, 20, 29 years, like you said, 28 years for me, I'll be honest with you. Um, and it's, uh, it's just grown and grown and grown. And it has, it has become a staple in, in not only in Manitoba for country music, but for Canada, really. And just talk about the venue a little bit and how impressive it is and how it's set up for those that have not been there. Paint a picture for us, as my colleague Richard Kluchy would say, paint a radio picture for us. Paint a radio picture. Well, it's a, uh, it's beautiful site. I mean, it's, uh, nestled in the side of the hills of, uh, Riding Mountain National Park here, just, uh, south of Dauphin, about 12 kilometers south of Dauphin. It's the Salah Ukraina Amphitheater, which, uh, uh, you know, was built originally back many years ago uh, to host the Ukrainian Festival every year. And the Ukrainian Festival still happens here every year, but Country Fest is, is also now a tenant of the place, and uh, actually for 29 years now, and have made tons of improvements to the place. Um, everything from, uh, you know, infrastructure of buildings and stages and, and all of that kind of stuff, permanent washrooms and things like that. But not only that, but uh, you know, the grounds themselves. I mean, anytime, you know, we can give back to the ground, I mean, with new grass and things like that all the time, it's, we're constantly improving the place. So um, I heard you joking there about Craven and stuff, but um, we truly are probably one of the nicest facilities in the entire country for an event like this. Well, you know, I, I joke about Craven, but uh, it's one of those events that was sort of like a stage in the middle of a field, right? Whereas this is a genuine, this is a genuine venue. It, it is. It's an amphitheater. Uh, we have seating for up to fourteen thousand people in front of our main stage, and and uh, it's not uh, you know on lawn chairs and things like that. It's actual benches in an amphitheater, you know, an amphitheater bowl, and uh, it's just it's just beautiful. If you've never been, and and I know some haven't, but uh, if you've never been, I mean, you, you just have to experience it. Okay, so let's get to some of the acts here because I think I just got handed something that that you've released some ticket. This doesn't happen very often, where you guys are actually you, you've got prime tickets just released. What what what's the dealio with that? Well, we we do. Yeah, you know, every year. I mean, artists. The bigger the artists they come, the more they 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 want. Uh, you know, they put holds on. Right now, obviously, they put holds on because they have guests and they have various things that they always try to get and stuff like that. So they'll hold a bunch of tickets and stuff like that. And if they haven't handed them out or used them for record people or things like that, they all of a sudden give them back to the promoters, us, and say, here, you might as well just sell these. Um, and that's what that's what's happened. In the last couple of weeks, we've uh, released a whole bunch of that stuff, a whole bunch of camping, VIP tickets, stuff like that. I'll be honest with you, they're selling very fast, though. So I don't know how many of those are actually left. Okay. Well, go to the website, countryfest.ca, or you can give them a call, 800-361-7300. And if you're up in that okay. neck of the woods in person at the Country Fest office, that's on uh, number 28, 2nd Avenue, northeast in the beautiful city of Dauphin, Manitoba. So, Rob, give us a rundown. Give us a little bit of the uh, roster, if you would. Behind the glass, Jerry, who is a, 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 a country music aficionado, Auto is uh, going to give me the kind of the thumbs up and and let me know when when like these guys are uh, are good and then the really good. So who have you got lined up for tomorrow night on the on the countryside? Well, tomorrow night on the main stage, and kicking it all off, Canadian band James Barker band. Um, next him will be Canada's own uh, and then 
and, and my will be uh, for Rob, Rob, we're, we're kind of losing you. I don't know if you're walking or if you oh. have changed positions or something like that, but if, stand just on your left foot or hold your right hand above your head or something like that. Yeah, it's it's not the best, I'll be honest with you. You're, you're breaking up. Who is the girl wearing nothing but a smile and a towel in the picture on the billboard in the field near the big old highway? All right, if I'm not careful, I'm just going to keep listening to this song <laughs> behind the glass, Jerry, setting, it, setting us up with the music. Let's try and get, uh, let's get reconnected here. Rob, you there? There we go. Uh, that sound, I can hear you now. Rob Wallacecheck is Country Fest general manager and promoter. We're talking about Country Fest. It uh, gets underway tonight, right, on the Bell MTS stage. MTS stage featuring none other than the Road Hammers. Well, I guess we Along knew that. Dan <laughs> yeah, with Dan David, Saint, uh, you know, a lot of great acts. The Credit Union Corral, uh, if you got into the country right off the bat tonight, we got some classic rock happening with the headpin and sweet. Wow, that's not bad at all. Is Darby Mills with the headpin still? Uh, no, they have a new girl now. So uh, I'm told that if you turn your back. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you segued the headpins in the honeymoon suite with it. They've got a new girl now and everything that worked out really nice. You know what? I don't know what to tell you, man. We have a, we have a horrible connection again. I can barely understand what's going on. You know what? Why don't we, why don't we do this? Cause you know what? We want to get the information out there. Why don't we, why don't we bid adieu to Rob and then uh, Jerry and I will go through the, the lineup. Rob, uh, please uh, forgive our manners on that. Okay. But we're just going to let you go and make sure that all this uh, information gets out for the country music fans here in Winnipeg, all right? No worries, thank you. You have a great uh, weekend, and of course, his uh, no problem thank you comes through crystal clear. (laughs) Okay, so Jerry, for the the Luddites uh, in the crowd that, you know, maybe uh, are, are maybe they're they're prepared to put their foot into the water Mm -hmm. uh, with some country music and go up to Country Fest, who are some of the acts that have caught your attention? Uh, Well, Dallas Smith is playing uh, tonight, I guess, uh, at uh, the MTS stage, the Bell MTS stage um and he was you know he was a rock guy before he was the lead singer of uh, the band default so if you're if you're a rock person you're thinking well maybe this country thing might be a good thing check that out dallas smith and of course eric church is the headliner on saturday he's huge has been for a few years now florida georgia line on friday night that they're they're kind of a crossover they did that song with nelly a few years ago yeah, they have a, a unique style for sure, and uh, they, you know, if you tune into the CMAs, they are all over the place, right? With, with uh, what's his name, the Chris, the guy with the big beard, who's the guy that wins all the awards, the Chris guy. I'm doing <laughs> that, that Chris guy. I'm doing I'm doing the movie thing that I do with Brett all the time. You know, the guy with the big beard who wins all the war uh, awards on the country music. No, I don't pay attention to awards. Okay. I pay attention to what I like. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Somebody's going to text me here right away. You know that. Is it Chris Cagle? I don't know which one you're no, talking about. No, it's not about. Chris Cagle. Oh, all right. I'll figure it out. Okay. Well, also, uh, you've got Sunday. It looks like they've got a really good Canadian lineup. They've got uh, Bobby Wills, Lindsay L., High Valley, and then the headliner on Sunday night is Paul Brandt. <laughs> That's not bad at all. I've seen Paul Brandt in concert probably four or five times. 
love Paul Brandt. See, your phone's ringing, and I've already got text message. Chris Stapleton. There you go. Stapleton. Just couldn't piddle, just couldn't pull it there. And uh, what else? Yeah, give me a couple more acts that we should uh, check out in Country Fest, and then I'll get uh, give out the information how people can get tickets or find out if there's any left. Okay, uh, well, Aaron Prichette's going to be playing. And, of course, Emerson Drive. Always a good show. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, thanks for that, uh, Jerry. And to uh, Rob Wallace, Chuck Country Fest, General Manager, Promoter. Sorry, we just had a bad connection there. Countryfest.ca. If you're thinking about heading up, don't do so without tickets. Uh, it's a tough ticket. They did release some the other day. 1-800-361-7300. Just go online, countryfest.ca. It is a great time, even if you want to go up for the day. I think there's a way for you to do that, but uh, check out the website to do all that. Seven years old and my radio flyer red cape tied around my neck. Top Thompson's hill, Billy said I was a liar and now I'm scared half to death. Is that, is that Paul Brand? Yes, it is. Uh, I get the prize. I'm keeping the prize I was going to give away. I had something to prove. Ain't nobody gonna call me a chicken. Gotta do what you gotta do. I'm gonna fly to find space and gravity. I'm gonna fly. Feel it just you wait to see. It's Mackling and McGarry. I took a while through this beautiful world. Felt the cool rain on my shoulder. Man, when I hear this song, it's with mixed emotion now. Uh, usually it's to get excited about a, an episode of Anthony Bourdain on CNN. Uh, but I get chills now because uh, I haven't really talked about this a lot. It's um, I miss this guy already. And uh, there are a group of people in the city of Winnipeg who are looking to make sure that Anthony Bourdain's death is not in vain, and I don't want to trivialize it in any way, shape, or form, but I think that that's the way we need to look at these tragedies uh, in our world, that some good can come out of it. Three weeks ago, roughly, that Anthony Bourdain, of course, took his own life. It shook fans across the world, and it's opening a conversation about mental health, maybe unlike we've ever had before, and... It's got us thinking, talking, and it's also asking and it's helping us ask the question, what can we do to help those who may be suffering from depression? Coming up on Tuesday, there's a special fundraiser for mental health featuring two of Canada's top 100 chefs. To tell us more, joined by a few guests, Marion Cooper is Executive Director of the Canadian Mental Health Association, Michael Redhead Champagne, renowned Indigenous public speaker, and one of the guest speakers at the event are here in studio. And joining us on the phone, Mandel Hitzer, he's chef and owner at Deer and Almond, and Mandel is, is joining us from... Calgary Mandel, good morning, and thank you for taking time with us in a different time zone. Why, why are you getting involved in this, Mandel? Um, you know, I've it's it's so close to my heart. Um, both Adam Donnelly and I, uh, we've both been cooking for a long time. I've been in the industry for 22 years, and uh, you know, I've seen the ups and downs, the uh, the you know, alcohol abuse, the long hours, and this is an opportunity to bring um, some of my peers 
colleagues together and, uh, you know, speak up for future generations of people in the industry and young aspiring chefs and let them know that there's a support system out there for them. Oh, you know, uh, The Layover was a great inspiration to me, uh, Anthony Bourdain's a series that didn't seem to catch on the, w- the way Parts Unknown did. But Parts mm-hmm. Unknown, uh, to me, let's just talk a little bit about the legacy quickly of Anthony Bourdain. And for me, it has to do with teaching us that so many of the world's problems can be brought into perspective simply by sitting down and having a meal with with someone of a different culture, of a different language, in a different country or in our own backyard. Yeah. Yeah, he had this uh, ability to connect with people on a global scale. You know, it happened right away uh, in his, well, not right away in his career, but in his later years when he became successful after Kitchen Confidential. But uh there's something really beautiful about food and it's, it's the language that we can all understand. And when you bring anybody from any walk of life around a table, we can all communicate and tell a story through food. And uh, I think that's like a, a very powerful uh, tool that he was able to uh, use to connect to people and share their stories and his his own stories of travel and uh, life experiences. Uh, Michael, uh, I saw you uh, vigorously nodding your head in agreement with with that statement. Uh, you and I have been communicating for years now, and, and a lot of that has had to do with not only mental health awareness, but certainly in terms of reconciliation and in terms of getting uh, parts of our respective communities together to have conversation. And there might be no better way to do that than over a meal. I 100% agree. And I think there's this little thing that we talk about in the community when we want to uh, organize something to to, to bring folks together uh, so we can address our challenges, our shared challenges. And we call it the four Fs. Uh, Free, family, fun, and of course, food. And I think that um, if we uh, really pay attention to the legacy um, of Anthony Bourdain and what he was trying to teach us, I think really what he was trying to teach us is that um, we all have an obligation to one another um, to take the time to listen, take the time to learn um, and build a relationship uh, with your food and build a relationship with your neighbor. And so I just think uh, it's such a, a powerful example that he has set. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of this because I know we need to talk about this when we lose high profile folks like Anthony Bourdain in the way that we did. It becomes critical for us to be able to address uh, mental wellness, uh, to address occupational health and safety. I'm really happy that we're talking about the conditions that uh, chefs are working within and especially with an eye on that up and coming generation of future chefs. Uh, talented kids today that are, you know, uh, you know, destroying their parents' kitchens or, or, or doing whatever it is that they need to do so that tomorrow they get to be the next Anthony Bourdain. Um, I think it's important uh, for us to make sure that we do what we can today to ensure that they have a safe and uh, mentally uh, mentally safe uh, work environment to be in. I was in that restaurant industry for a long time and, and chefs and a lot of people in that hospitality industry are artists at heart, right? And we know, we believe, at least from the outside looking in, Marion Cooper, maybe you can help us with this, that, you know, people who are expressive, uh, whether it's through food, word, spoken word, acting, who are performers, we seem to see 
a higher case of of mental illness. We saw it with Robin Williams. We 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 see it with all sorts of performers. Is that a perception, or or do we have some research that says, yeah, you, you know, you might be at a higher risk if, if this is who you are? Well, I can't really speak to any particular research that would validate that, but you know, I think there's definitely that sense that. People who are creative uh, are emotive, and so there's a vulnerability there. Um, But we also know that mental illness and mental health challenges don't really discriminate, and uh, our whole society is impacted, Um, whether you're an expressive person or someone who's quiet and working at a desk as an accountant. um, We know that mental illness and um, uh, people can suffer alone, and, uh, and everybody has a story. And so part of, I think, the opportunity that um, celebrating Anthony Bourdain brings, but also acknowledging that people, you know, are quietly suffering sometimes. And how do we use these opportunities to raise awareness and to continue to address um, the the barriers that prevent people from being honest about how they're really doing? Um, I'm really pleased to see the culinary community come around. And um, there's huge opportunity for us to talk about how do we create psychologically healthy environments within those workplaces? Michael kind of alluded to that. Uh, The Canadian Mental Health Association has workplace programs, and we're already talking about how do we get into those kitchens? How do we promote conversations around mental health that are not happening, that are now beginning to happen? Marion, a lot of people, one of, one of the things you'll read in social media or hear from people as you're sitting down talking and, and Anthony Bourdain's name comes up, Almost immediately, people will say, he had it all. Why would he do something like that? He had it all. He had the dream job. You know, everybody loved him. Uh, It's uncomprehensible for a lot of people that someone would take their own life who had a position like Anthony Bourdain. Help us wrap our brains around that. Suicide is very complex, and there are many factors. Um, Some of that may include mental illness, but there are other uh, factors that can contribute to um, why a person may um, choose to end their life. Um, So we can't really delve into the specifics of Anthony because we don't know. Um, But what we do know is that, you know, wealth and privilege and opportunity um, are not necessarily always as protective as we would think. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of research on happiness and global happiness and food and family and community are huge predictors of what contributes to happiness. But when we look at income and really what is the threshold around wealth and does it lead to happiness? One of the studies that I just recently looked at actually talked about that once people make over $75,000 a year, the happiness factor doesn't actually change. So that speaks volumes, right? And, uh, you know, so it's really not about money. It's about what's going on inside and, um, and you know... We know substance use can have a significant role in uh, a lot of mental health concerns. Um, And sometimes that pressure to perform or if you are a public figure and you, you know, you are seen as a role model and someone who actually has achieved success, tremendous pressure comes with that. And so maybe that, you know, takes away sort of that freedom to really talk about what's really going on because people expect something different from you. 
Mandel, and you know, when you talk about Anthony Bourdain and everything that he accomplished, uh, and you're having conversations with your colleagues, what does where does the conversation go in in, in this time since his passing? Um, you know, honestly, the the biggest thing that's happened, and it's unfortunate that it had to follow someone's passing, is the ability to open up and be honest with each other and uh, kind of, you know, dive deeper into uh, the depths of our own thoughts and uh, our own struggles. Um, I've had to even, you know, people that are really close to me come forward and ask for help. Um, and, uh, you know, myself, one of them, which has been, you know, a huge eye-opener. And, and you know, at the end of the day, we're just really excited to have the opportunity to grow. Um, you know, being a creative person, uh, being like a chef and a, a boss and a leader in, in my community, you know, we're always trying to grow and change uh, through our food and elevate our cuisine and move with the seasons. And... I hope it, we can and do that for ourselves and, and grow and change and, and move with uh, the seasons ourselves as human beings and, and be, you know, a little bit more stronger and, and, and seek the help and guidance that we need. Michael, what do you see as the opportunity here? Um, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, work that I've done in the community has centered around some very tragic realities. And I think we don't do ourselves any favors if we ignore the challenge that we are facing. Um, and I know that I'm a, I'm a hyper solutions oriented person, but we, we can't ignore the fact that a lot of uh, the positive work um, that happens in our community is in direct response to tragic uh, challenges. For example, Meet Me at the Bell Tower began because of a tremendous loss of uh, life amongst our youth community in Winnipeg's North End. And now, you know, seven years later, continues every Friday bringing folks together to stop violence. And so um, I think um, there is a tremendous opportunity in this moment, as much as it breaks my heart even just to say um, such a thing, there is a tremendous opportunity in this moment for us to bring our community together and say, are you hurting right now like we are? Because if you are, let's be together. Let's come together and Let's share those feelings with one another. And so um, my hope is that what can come from this is that um, folks can take a look at uh, someone that maybe they think had it all. And um, let this be a reminder to all of us to check on our friends who we think have, have it all, our relatives, folks in our life or our community that are always the strong ones, that are always the helpers, always taking care of others. Maybe each of us now can take it on to ourselves to check up on those people that do have it all and just make sure that they're okay too. I've been finding myself sending messages to people just to say, hey, you know, I just want to make sure you're all right. I know you, yep. we've had conversations in the past. I'm not trying to be intrusive on you. I just want to let you know that I'm here if you ever want to talk. Time is always the enemy. I'm sorry, you guys, but we're, we're out of it. What's happening July 3rd, and how can we get involved? Who, who wants to take that? Well, July 3rd, there's a wonderful event happening at the Forks with Segova and uh, Darren Allman hosting a, a dinner to celebrate Anthony Bourdain, but also to raise funds for the Canadian Mental Health Association. We're thrilled about that. We're happy to be partnering, but we're more more importantly, we're happy to have these conversations and to come together and have a meal and talk deeply about this. Um, so we want to get this happening and we want to keep these these uh, opportunities um, coming so that we can 
build resources, support community, and have conversations that matter. Mandel, how do I get tickets? Oh, man. Unfortunately, uh, the tickets have been sold out. They sold like out all your events are, are sold out. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the answer. Guys. But, yeah, but you can go online and check out the Canadian Mental Health Association uh, website and look for ideas on how you can get involved and see, you know, if you donate money, where that money is going to, what programs they do, and, uh, you know, still still make a, a change if you're if it's in your heart, you know. Michael Champagne, always an honor, my friend. Marion Cooper, thank you for this. Mandel Hitzer, thank you for joining us from Calgary. And uh, suicide prevention is a big deal to me. ReasonToLive.ca, 877-435-7170. If you need a voice, if you need to talk, please reach out. I'm Greg Mackling for Behind the Glass. Jerry, thank you for spending part of your week with us.